angels. I'm, I'm continuing in my series I've called The Price. We began last week, obviously, with part one, which we called Pearls and Pigs. Pearls and Pigs, if you missed it, uh, it's online. You can check it out. But this is part two of The the price. And uh, like I said, I'm, I, I, these are my first messages for 2024. And I'm not one of those pastors who's going to go, you know, there's more in 2024 because it rhymes. It is a good title. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just not wired uh, that way. For me, I, I, I think in the long term, I think about God, what are you doing inside of me? What, uh, what, what's my heart? I'm, I'm not trying to just get some nice message to, um, you know, make us feel nice. I was like, God, what, what are you saying to me, and it's out of that that I'm I'm bringing this message or series to you. And so this is part two of the price. And we've, we've said there there is a cost. Well, I didn't say it. The Bible says that there is there, there is a cost to following Christ. It's a good place to say Amen. <laughs> There's a cost to following Christ, and and Jesus, of course, did tell us to count it. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verse 27 through 28, whoever does not bear his own cross, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot, I mean, these are pretty strong words, right? These are, these are pretty, I was, was like, Jesus. Uh, I mean, uh, it's like, come on, ease up a little bit. But th- these are pretty strong words. Whoever does not bear his own cross. Friends, we can't have a crossless Christianity. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, who are you going after? What are you going after? And come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down, count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. I love this quote by Bishop William Gobiston, who was a pastor and the fifth president of the great Moody Bible Institute, he said this. He said, some people want to be vaccinated with a mild dose of Christianity so as to be protected, inoculated, immunized from the real thing. I don't know about you, but I can, I can feel the pain of the needle right, right now. Some people want to be vaccinated with a mild dose of Christianity so as to be protected, inoculated, immunized against and from the real, real thing. Of course, not this church, not you, but we are concerned about the other service. <laughs> but I want to say human nature, let's face it. Human nature, let's face it, is for the most part adverse to pain and discomfort. Uh, human nature tends towards, towards ease, ease to, uh, tends towards the path of least resistance. We, and I've said it many, many times, we don't wake up in the morning and go, how can I make my life more difficult? <laughs> we don't, we're like, how can we make, how can we make this day go Go well. That's how, that, That's human nature. But the reality is to truly follow Christ. To truly follow Christ, there is a cost and a cross to bear. 
And in the words of the 16th century preacher, John Flavel, no man has a velvet cross. No man has a velvet cross. There is a price. And I was reminded of the truth of that recently. Um, on the week between Christmas Day and New Year, I, I found myself unexpectedly, profoundly moved when I visited with the family, with Jir and Jeremy, the kids, and Anita and Reuben. As we visited, a, of all things, a Christmas nativity scene. I, I found my heart strangely Moved, and I guess it was this nativity moment that was a that was and is a catalyst for what I'm speaking about today. And you're like, well, why did it move you? Well, let me let me set the scene scene for you. I mean, uh, you've got to understand this wasn't a small nativity scene that we're talking about. And and, and I've got to say, we brought we brought back three suitcases because I get an extra suitcase with my thing, uh, Air New Zealand flight. You know that flight? We brought about 20 people back with us. We smuggled them in. We smuggled in Joseph, Mary, a couple of camels, and things. Our suitcases, all we were carrying was a giant nativity scene. That, uh, that's it. One of the she I've got to say, one of the shepherds lost his head on the journey. I mean, it's just... We're, 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 Oh, I said one of the three kings. One of the three kings lost his head. He did not like being in a suitcase. But, but they're about this big. They're, they're, they're big. It's a big nativity scene. Anita passed it. She couldn't. She, she's like, turn around, go back. We need that. And, and, and it, it, it's, it's beautiful. And you'll see it next Christmas, <laughs> hopefully with the king's head fixed. Otherwise, there'll only be two kings. <laughs> the other one's still on the way. But let me set the scene for, uh, for this so you can understand it. I, I, I think it's important to do, do that. As you know, we were in Goa, India for Christmas. That's where Anita is from. That's where her house is. And uh, Goa, honestly, is a great place during cr the Christmas season. Christmas is, is like a really big... If you ever wonder why is Christmas a big deal for for Pastor Anita, it's because she's from Goa. Christmas is a big deal there. At night, Goa literally lights up as nearly every house in every street in every village hangs lights, switches on, switches them on, drains the national electricity grid, trying to outdo the next door neighbor and the next door village with their grand display of Christmas lights. And so in Goa, there is a healthy comp competition in all things concerning Christmas. Uh, of course, our house was, I think there should be a photo. Uh, hopefully, this was the house. This was Anita's house where we were staying. And I have got to say, it was bright, very, very bright at night. But this is, this is, this is, this is what, what, well, I haven't got any sound on this, but what Anita's saying here actually is like, Adam didn't let me put Christmas lights up before I left, so now I'm doing it here. That's what she's, that's what, that's what Tom, don't play any sound to that, please. But there, there is a healthy competition that extends to, also to the village churches. Goa is the, for the most part, a Roman Catholic area uh, ruled by the Portuguese uh, many years ago. And every 
village has what we would call, they call it a church, we would call it here a cathedral. I mean, every village has a cathedral. It's the, it's the biggest building in the, in the village without fail, for pretty much for 90% of going. And at Christmas, churches are always freshly painted. They're always done up. But one of the traditions in each village is that the church congregation participates in the building of a Christmas nativity crib. And then I'm pretty sure there's a prize for the prize for the best. So Goa does Christmas a little bit different than what we do. Uh, often here, you know, uh, after, after Christmas sort of day, it's like it's, you know, yeah, that's done. We're moving, moving on. Not in Goa. The Christmas cribs do not open till Christmas, the, the, yeah, pretty much Christmas day because that's when Jesus is born. So you don't open that beforehand. So all these cribs are being built. And then on Christmas Day for the next week, that's when they search out and go and visit all these cribs. And so, so Anita's village built the crib of all cribs. And thousands, I'm not joking, I'm not exaggerating, this isn't evangelistically speaking. Thousands of people would come to see the crib. Thousands of People And just to get a perspective on, on the size of their Christmas crib, I would say it would fit into the size of our front car park out there. So that's the size that we're, we're talking about. And let me explain what it was like. It, it, had a, it had a big middle section, like a massive high area. And on top of that high area was the nativity scene, baby Jesus and and, and Mary and Joseph and the three kings and the sheep and the, uh, and you've got to understand all of this is life size. So if they have a camel, it's a life size camel. When I was going to the church, I said they had an elephant there. I was like, that's not shouldn't be in the nativity scene. I was glad to see it wasn't. I don't know what the elephant's for. I'm not sure. But everything was life size, and so that was up on a hill, and then they built this maze around it and you would go in and it took about an hour to go through and you would go through this maze it was a, it was amazing uh, but but I, I, I with every turn a new scene would open up and so you, you'd have traditional bible stories like like Zacchaeus in the tree or the the, the Jesus healing the 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 uh, man who as he was lowered through the roof or then you'd turn and there would be another scene and then you'd go around a corner and just when you think it's ending it would go on another route and you'd see another scene and so that's what it was like and we were you, you didn't have enough time they had readings you could do and but but there were so many people you had to keep moving moving through and so so, so you got to understand this was this was a big big deal and but something happened in me that I I did not expect there were there were multiple scenes. Not not uh, what there, there were nice ones, you know, Mother Teresa and so on. But there were multiple scenes or displays telling the story of people who had given their life. And and some of it, I I got a bit shocked. I turned around, I think, smiled to Jeremy. I was like, "Is this appropriate?" Because we got the kids with us. Is this appropriate? For children, because I'm going, we're Pentecostals, we wouldn't show this stuff. You know, we try and avoid that kind of 
kind of thing. And so we're, 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 we don't do tragedy, we do triumph, amen, hallelujah. And so I, I just felt we came around the corner and I, I can't remember which saint it was or whatever, but they're sitting there with a massive arrow or spear. St. Sebastian, I need to know. St. Sebastian, a spear through them. And I'm like, you know, is this appropriate for the, for the kids? And, yeah, you know, after the, the, the terrible time I gave them at Universal Studios, we're taking them on rides that made them scream. I'm going, this because I'm like, like I say, as Pentecostals, we wouldn't, Show these kind of time. We we do the tri- we we do the triumph thing and victory and uh, God, God he's a he's a you know and 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 all of that is true. But as Pastor Paul De said, who's going through his own battle at the moment, he said, as Pentecostals, we have a theology of triumph and victory, but we need to get a, also a theology of tragedy and and suffering and the other side of the coin. And so here in this moment, we were, hey, with each pass, and you, you'd just adjust to St. Sebastian, you'd turn the corner and there'd be someone else who had given their life. And many of them local people or Indian people who had come to faith and, 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 and had given, paid the ultimate, ultimate price. And as we turned each corner over an hour, it was like, man, what started to weigh on my heart is, man, a lot of blood has been spilt. A great cost has been paid. A great, a great price has been paid for, for that which we have, for that which we enjoy, enjoy today. And it kept weighing on my, my heart as we slowly moved through and caught glimpses of these powerful, powerful stories of faithful saints and it moved me, and of course, I know here today some might be thinking, but, but again, we're not Roman Catholics, and of course, we, we doctrinally, we differ with the Roman Catholic Church on many, many things, but on this day, Christ was at the center, and wherever you moved around the maze, no matter where it was, Christ was at the center of it all. But, but what struck me is how, how freely they they shared such gruesome scenes and stories. Freely they were able to do that. And I remember just going, well, I just don't know. Stories like I shared last week of St. Valentine, the story I told of who was executed for his, it was Valentine's Day, he was executed for his faith. Stories like that were on display. And, of course, we know that the truth is that the history of Christianity has been marked by many who have paid the ultimate price. From the first martyr, Stephen, in the book of Acts, chapter 7, followed by all the remaining disciples of Jesus except John, even the uh, apostle Paul paid the ultimate price. And, of course, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, if you read it, we learn of those who who were chained and stoned, who were, who were put to death. And they did this in faith. They were put to death by the sword, even sawn in two, yet remained faithful to the end. And of course, this is still happening today. And I, 
I, I wonder if I was moved apart by the, an article I had read around that same time, possibly on that same, same day where, where I had read that 160 Christians had lost their lives, over 300 injured by Islamic jihadists in Nigeria over the Christmas period, over that very same period. Many Christians had given their life. I don't know where the outrage is for that. I don't know where the protests are for that on the street. And so on that day, as I walked around through this maze, I, I was with every turn personally challenged to consider the cost, to consider the price of following Christ. And it just brought into perspective my, my light and momentary troubles. My light and momentary sufferings can't even compare to what many have had to walk through. And so my heart, I felt my heart so full with, you know, as I came home, I just couldn't sleep properly. The, but I found my heart full, filled with gratefulness to those who had gone before. And of course, happily, for most of us, we will not have to face such a difficult path. We will not have to walk such a difficult journey. But the truth is, for all of us, there is no velvet cross. No velvet cross. Jesus told his disciples, he said, if, in Matthew, he said, if anyone would come after me, he said, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? The New Living Translation says it like this If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must give up your own way. The Amplified Version says you must set aside selfish interests. The Bible talks about in the last days people will be lovers of themselves. But we must put aside those who truly desire to follow or be disciples of Christ. Again, we understand that Christianity is not about me, what God's doing for me, and how what God's doing. No, it's what, how can I serve Him? And again, we've said it many times. We, we understand that we're the priesthood of believers and priests. What are the, what's their priority? Their priority is to, to, to honor God, to serve God, to minister to God. That's what priests do God, we're not turning up here, so God, what are you going to do for me? We're coming here and go, God, I want to give you my best worship. I want to give you my best praise because you are the king. I'm a priest and I serve you. Like we said, this is not the worship team. You're the worship team. And so there's a challenge there to, to us. You, you, you must give up your own way, it says in the New Living Translation. 
What, what's your way? What is it that is taking you away? You must give up your own way. You must take up your cross. You must set aside selfish interest. Matthew Henry, who wrote the, one of the great commentaries of the Bible, he said, the first lesson in Christ's school is self-denial. The first lesson in Christ's school is self-denial. The great A.W. Tozer said this, there is a sweet theology of the heart that is only learned in the school of renunciation. Andrew Jews said this, I love this. He said, God does not want us to think less of ourselves. And be like, oh, yeah. No, he wants us not to think of ourselves at all. <laughs> God does not want, oh, I'm going to read it again, that's so good. God does not want us to think less of ourselves. He wants us not to think of ourselves at all. <laughs> Don't we spend our lives doing that? I would say this, we have, we have Christians, even entire churches and denominations who, who question the call of the cross. They question the, the, this, this call, this, if you like, demand or command of Jesus. They question that we, we have Christians, entire churches, denominations who, who question the call of the cross and this this new, weird, woke, and wonderful day that we are living in. They ask, you know, did God really say that? I mean, did, did God really say that? And that question, of course, forms a part of the very first question asked in Genesis. Did God really say? And we need to remember that it was a serpent who asked it. It was a snake who asked it. Did God really say? Some people want to be vaccinated with a mild dose of Christianity so as to be protected, protected, inoculated, immunized against and from the real thing. I, 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 I came up on my feed yesterday, some lady going, well, I... I'm putting aside, I'm deconstructing, I'm putting aside this, I'm putting aside that, I'm not going to be, and, and, and I'm like, lady. She couldn't hear me. I'm like, what, what are you doing? I thought some other things too, so. But all it seemed like to me is that, that, that your desire is to create your own version, your own brand of faith that, there is really no faith at all. There is a passage in Isaiah 64, verse 8. It says, we are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hands. Friends, I want to tell you, we must be careful not to create a Christianity where we assume the place of the potter and God becomes the clay. Will we fashion a God of our own liking and own likeness? 
For in doing so, we can easily create a crossless, costless Christianity. A God made in our image and in our likeness. Devotional writer Oswald Chambers said, Every doctrine that is not embedded in the cross of Jesus will lead astray. My brothers and my sisters, we must not change God's word. No, we allow his word to change us. He is the potter. We are the clay. We are made in his image. Our job is to remain on the potter's wheel. Well, there is no such thing as a crossless, costless Christianity. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would, would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The challenge for today is take up your cross. Take up your cross. I I embrace it. It's interesting because the scriptures, they tell us always to take it up, never to lay it down. We're to take up the cross. Embrace it. Let me say this. The cross is easier. Please hear this. The cross is easier to him that takes it up than to him who begrudgingly drags it along. Drag it along, take it up, embrace it. There is a cost to following Christ. Theologian Richard Baxter said, Our, our cross must be born, carried. We are not at liberty to step over it or go round to avoid it. Preacher J. Furman Miller said, Crucified is the only definitive adjective by which to describe the Christian life. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This is the price. This is the, the cost. A.W. Tozer said we must do something about the cross and one of two things only we can do, flee it or die upon it. Let it be said of our lives, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the price. This is our cross to carry. So let it be a challenge to us. What of my own way do I, do I give up? What do I surrender? 
Let me be dead to the world and alive to Christ. May we be challenged, may we be stirred by the great price that has been paid by many for the freedom we enjoy today. They're in the Felicity. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you're here, you're visiting, whatever you've come in. Maybe you're watching online, you've never given your life to Christ. I want to remind you today. You say, well, I'm not good enough. The reality is none of us are good enough. You might be saying, well, the church is full of hypocrites. There's always room for one more. See, we know we can't do it. We, we need Christ. The good news of the gospel is not about how bad we are. It's about how good he is. And I want to tell you, the walking the way of the cross begins by surrendering our, surrendering our life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and accepting the way that he made for us. So if you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, you, you, you know, man, I'm battling with sin. I'm battling with... I know I need to get right with God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, I want to give an opportunity. I will pray a prayer that says, Jesus, come into my life. Be the king of my life. It's not the, 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 the only thing you've got. It's, it's really the beginning of your Christian journey. But if you're here and you know you need to get right, I'm going to count to three. And if you're saying, Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? Just put your hand up and we will all pray together but knowing that that prayer is with them for, for you. So one, Jesus loves you. Two, he died for you. Three, you can know him today. If you're here and you know you need to get right with Jesus, you just know you're away from him. Would you put up your hand wherever you're seated? Thank you, young man. Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God. You're, you're here today and even now. That Remember, that snake is still whispering. Did God really say, don't listen, get right with God right now. This is your moment. Anybody else here? You know, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? You know you need to get right with God. All right, slip those hands down. Let's all pray this prayer together in a nice, loud voice. Don't be shy. Lord Jesus, we come to you today a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. Today I turn from my sin and I turn towards God. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. This I ask in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for those who said yes to you? Keep coming to church. Keep allowing God to grow you in your faith. Come on, why don't you stand as we close the service the service off. If you need prayer for anything, Chris and Kay are over there, seasoned ministers, able to pray with and for you. And in the days to come, just to let you know, we're going to be changing that up a bit. We're going to be praying for and with people in the service. We're going to make that a part of what we do in the service. 
There'll be some change coming up, just letting you know. It might take us a few weeks to organize it, but, but we feel that's the right, right way to go. So let me pronounce this blessing over you, my people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen. come on, give a clap offering to our team. And the cost of a coffee is only a couple of bucks. Go and have a coffee and enjoy some fellowship with somebody. God bless.